Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. And to think that it was referring to the same thing or same types of things, and it's not. Uh, and so I want us to look at it because I think that word, I don't have this in the notes, but I think that word is intended to draw out a lot of emotion from us. You know, whoa, whoa, it's, it's an emphatic, it's, uh, it's supposed to be rare. It kind of demands a response. It demands that we would pay attention. It's not the kind of thing that you read, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, it's supposed to have an exclamation mark on the end of it, and it does frequently. And so <clears throat> for that to be a prevalent um, aspect of the book of Revelation, it's one that I want us to be able to give some attention to. And again, my main purpose really uh, tonight in this session is to help us differentiate between woes when it's talking about these kinds of woes, these kinds of woes, and these kinds of woes, okay? So that's kind of my uh, objective here. Now, uh, as we jump in here to the notes, page one, um, we are headed into, at uh, in the end times, what, is, can, what can rightly be described as a season of woe or a season of woes that is destined for the earth. I'm going to read you here Revelation 12, 10 through 12, and, uh, and then we'll kind of break it down a little bit. Top of page one. I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has uh, gone down to you. He's filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. I don't know if you caught the contrast there. Heaven, glory to you, or, or rather rejoice uh, to you, heavens, but woe to the earth. And what's happening here is Satan is being cast out of the heavenly realms, and he's being bound to the earth. And the realms that had him a minute ago are now told, why don't you go ahead and get to dancing? Rejoice, he's no longer in your area. But where is he? Well, now he's on the earth. Woe to you, earth, because Satan has now been bound to you. And this is a really interesting moment that actually, uh, when this occurs, this happens at the beginning of the Great Tribulation period, this is now establishing a season that you could accurately uh, or rightly call a season of woe because the season of woe begins when Satan has been tossed to the earth. He's gone to the earth. That's when the tribulation starts, great tribulation. And he's bound from there at the end of the great tribulation. That's when he is thrown into the lake of fire. And between that period of time, heaven's declaration to earth is, woe to you, we're really sorry. It's going to be tough down there for a good long minute because the devil has been cast out of the heavens and is now bound to the earth, something that's never, been ha that's never happened before. He will lose his place in the heavenly realms. We'll talk a little bit about this probably in a later session, but if you can just kind of picture for a moment the scene in the book of Job where Satan has access to God's throne. That won't be the case as soon as this happens. He will lose his place in the heavenly realms. He will no longer have place there. And he'll actually be bound to the physical earth. That's very limiting. And it also will allow him to have very loud, vibrant, uh, and violent expression, which is what's going to be happening, which is why the world is told, woe to you, because Satan is going to be operating in a way that he never has before, in a very profound way. So it's a season of woe, specifically for the earth. Next idea, 
Some woes that we find in the book of Revelation are the declarations of angels. Angels are saying, whoa, woe to you, earth. Some of the woes are intended to be understood as punitive. They're punishment for the inhabitants of the earth that have uh, violated God's purposes, that have slain his people. Some of the times that the term woe is used, it's actually uh, kind of like um, it's calling a judgment a woe. And so we'll, we'll look at that. We're going to kind of look at all these things. But sometimes the woes are, are punitive judgments. Some of the woes are the outcry of evil men because of the punitive judgments. The difficulties are happening in the earth, and, and wicked men are going, oh, gosh, this is bad. And they're crying woe. Angels are crying woe. Men are crying woe. Woe because the devil's coming. I mean, it's just, you start to look at these details and you go, dang, this is actually a lot of woe which is why we're doing a whole session on it because, again, if you're not aware that there are these different types, one, you might just read right over it. It's a pretty small word, you know, three little letters. But two, if you were paying attention, you might have the thought process to connect these dots in a way that, oh, well, that's that same word as we read before. It must be the same thing, and it's not. It's the same idea of something intense is occurring, uh, but they actually refer to different intense things. Many woes in the end times. So let's look at what are referred to as the three woes. So in the midst of there being these different types of woes in the book of Revelation, there's actually a three grouping that are called the three. They're, they're the three woes. And, uh, and let's, let's look at these. Three woes are coming. Revelation 8, 13, I'm at the top of page two. After the fourth trumpet, there's an announcement made that something else is on the horizon. So we go trumpet one, two, three, four, and after the fourth trumpet, then this angel jumps in and makes an interruption in the trumpet series. It doesn't go trumpet one, two, three, four, five. It goes trumpet one, two, three, four, angels saying, whoa, 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 for what's about to come. Something far worse is coming. And so that's what we read here. I watched and I heard an eagle that was flying in midair. It's an angelic creature of some sort. Uh, cry out in a loud voice, whoa, whoa, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blasts that are about to be sounded by the other three angels. Now, if you just, you know, not really paying attention, you'd read that and go, oh, woe to the earth, just like Satan, woe to the earth. But Satan, woe to the earth because of his coming. That's actually at the beginning of the great tribulation period. Here we're, we're near the end of the great tribulation period when this occurs, at least halfway through and, and then some. This is a different woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. This is because of the trumpet blasts about to be sounded by the other three angels. So the last three trumpets, remember there's seven, one, two, three, five, seven, one, two, three, four, then there's a pause. This angel jumps in and says, it's about to really, really intensify in the final three trumpet judgments. In fact, these final three trumpet judgments are actually called woe one, woe two, and woe three or trumpet five, six, and seven. Okay, you tracking? Woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blasts about to be sounded by the other three angels. That's angel with trumpet five, angel with trumpet six, and angel with trumpet seven. I uh, gave you a little bit more there. We'll keep going. These correspond to the last three trumpets. All right, these judgments are given two titles. They're not just trumpet five, six, and seven, they're also woe, one, two, and three. I mean, it's like 
I mean, the trumpet judgments are already so intense, but this angel and heaven's perspective wanted to make a point. These three are unique. These three carry different DNA. These three are, are something else. And as we've talked about, because we've been in this series in, in recent weeks talking about the trumpet judgments, this is a major upgrade and a major transition. When we go from the first four trumpets into the final three trumpets, they're also called woes. Well, just a little reminder of what they are. Trumpet five is uh, the, the millions of demonic creatures released uh, that are the, uh, the locust-looking or a locust uh, demonic army that comes up out of the abyss. The sixth trumpet, or woe two, is the hundred uh, million or the 200 million demons that come up out of the, uh, the abyss. And really, it's 400 million because it's 200 million Horses and 200 million riders. So it's, I mean, that's a ton of demonic hosts coming up out of hell. And then lastly, the seventh trumpet is Christ himself coming out of heaven with his army and his wrath. Now, this brings new dynamics. I just wanted to give you a verse uh, that describes Jesus leading his army. And to kind of give you a little bit of the perspective of how different this is, until uh, trumpet five then trumpet six, then trumpet seven, we've never seen supernatural armies of this level, like this, operating at this level. We've never seen anything like it. There's little whispers, there's little moments in, in, uh, in biblical history. You can even look and find certain accounts. You know, many are more than with us and are with them. You know, the chariots, uh, there, there are moments, but you've never had anything on a global scale You've never had anything of this magnitude, and it's wrapping up the end of the age where there are these three armies that are going to task. And I just wanted to highlight the final one, the uh, third woe, or the seventh trumpet, the return of Jesus and his army. Isaiah 42, verse 3, I'm at the top of page 3. The Lord will march out like a champion. He's the leader of an army, leader of an army. Like a warrior, he will stir up his zeal. With a shout, he will raise the battle cry and will triumph over his enemies. This, this is a woe to the earth. I mean, if you think about the, the incredible devastation that a human army can have, but then you look at what about a supernatural army out of hell or out of heaven? It's of a different order. You're talking about a serious army here, and it's interesting to me, and it's interesting to me that the three woes are, are three armies. And the final one led by Jesus. All right, we just talked about the three woes. Now we're gonna talk about more woes, but that aren't those three woes. We're gonna talk about different woes. All right. One, the woes of Babylon's doom. I gave you here in a part three in the notes, top of uh, page three. The woes of Babylon's doom. The kings cry woe because of Babylon's fall. Then the merchants cry woe because of Babylon's fall. Then the seafarers of Catan cry woe because of Babylon's fall. You've got these three different groups that are all crying woe. So I'm going to read them now. I wanted you to see it though. It's the kings of the earth, the merchants, and then all those that make their living by the sea, including the navy, the navies of the earth. 
Here are the three different groups. When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and who had shared in her luxury, they see the smoke of her burning, they'll weep and mourn over her. Terrified at her torment, they will stand far off and cry, Woe! Woe to you, great city! You mighty city of Babylon, in one hour your doom has come. That's what the kings cry. Whoa, whoa. They are terrified. They are filled with uh, just uh, anxiety and pain and ache, and they're woeing over the fall of Babylon. Well, next it's the merchants. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, and they will cry out, Woe, woe to you, great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. So now it's the merchants, different category of people. Third, every sea captain and everyone who traveled by ship, the sailors and all those who earn their living from the sea will stand far off and with weeping and mourning cry out, Woe! Woe to you, great city, where all who had ships on the sea became rich through her wealth. In one hour, she has been brought to ruin. It's just interesting. A minute ago, it was an angel telling us, woe because of the three trumpets that are coming. And those three trumpet judgments are all aimed at the lost. Okay? Now the lost have been impacted by those trumpet judgments. That's, that, that's what's occurring throughout the Great Tribulation period. But we see here, these three woes, these are now the, uh, the, the rich of the earth crying out woe because of the fall of Babylon. And just as a point of timing, these three woes happen at the beginning of the Great Tribulation period because that's when Babylon falls, is at the beginning of the Great Tribulation period. And again, we'll spend a lot more time looking at Babylon and the details and the timing and all that kind of stuff when we get there uh, later in this study. I just wanted you to see this, though. Heaven says, woe to you, earth, because of what's about to come. Then the major players of the economic system, of the, you know, of the sea, of the leadership of the nations, the major players, they all cry out woe because of the fall of Babylon, which is part of the judgment of, of God on the systems of the earth in that hour. Well, let's keep going. To dig just a little bit deeper about what's happening with Babylon, how is it a woe? Why is it a woe? What's going on that's woeful? Well, let's look here. Tormented and grief are declare, declare for her. Torment. Look at uh, Revelation 18, verse 6, middle of page 4 here, letter A. The woes that are declared over Babylon because of her evil, what she's done to God's people. Look at this. Revelation 18, 6 through 7. Give back to her as she is given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Pour her a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torment and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. This is God bringing judgment on Babylon. So a minute ago, we saw the kings and the, the, uh, the merchants. We saw all those guys going, whoa, whoa. Well, why are they woeing? They're woeing because God is bringing judgment that looks like this. Give her back double what she gave herself in glory. Give her back double what she fed on the nations and stole their luxuries and made herself up. Bring her back double. Part B. Babylon will be overtaken by plagues in a day. This is the reason that the, the kings are crying out, whoa, whoa, because they witness this occur. Revelation 18, 8, therefore in one day her plagues will overtake her. Death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. This is what the kings are witnessing. It's what's causing them to cry out, whoa. 
The kings and the economic leaders together are terrified specifically at her torment. Have you ever seen something on TV that was so gruesome you just had to turn away or put your hand in front of the screen? Just so like, so intense. The kings and the merchants are terrified at the torment that God's doing to her. They're terrified. They're freaked out of their minds. Kings. The economic leaders of the world, I mean the big dog, Fortune 500 company guys, they are watching the torment of Babylon and they are terrified. They are filled with terror because of what they're witnessing happening to Babylon. That's what's going on. That's the reason they're crying out, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, they are witnessing something that is freaking them out of their minds. I gave you some of the verses there. You can look at it on your own. Top of page five. Roman numeral five, describing this global season of great terror and pain. Now remember I told you that it would be appropriate to look at the great tribulation and especially the way that, uh, that it's written, woe to you earth, the inhabitants of the earth, because the devil has gone down to you. We know that period of time lasts three and a half years. It started tribulation to the time that he's uh, thrown in, uh, well, locked up first. He's, he's locked up and for a thousand years. So until he's locked up, and he's thrown into to the lake of fire later, until he's locked up, that's three and a half years. And the, I mean, we see in Revelation 12, woe to you earth for as long as Satan is allowed to roam around on you. Woe to you earth. It's a season of woe. Well, let's describe some of the other aspects of the season of woe, to call it a season. Not just a woe moment, because those judgments, the three woes, those were specifically the fifth, sixth, and seventh trumpet. Even Babylon, the destruction of Babylon, that all takes place pretty quickly. And the merchants and the kings and all those that make their living by the sea, all of them are crying out woe pretty quickly in relationship to a judgment moment. But I want to talk about the whole season being a season of woe and give you some more of the dynamics. The world is terror stricken. You guys remember when we were in Revelation 6 and we talked about this? Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried out to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand it? It's not talking about a 24-hour day of wrath. It's talking about the season of the Lord's judgment on the earth. It's the seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls of wrath. It's the whole three and a half year period of judgment. This is an intense moment where the people of the earth are going to be living in terror because of the woe season that has been prescribed for the earth. Specifically in the uh, fifth trumpet that we read about. And then also the sixth trumpet. Well, we'll just stick with the fifth. The five-month season of torture. Now, we already talked about it before, but I want to connect the dots because part of what we're doing in this series is we're building on information we've already learned. We're helping understand the information that we've already covered, but now understand it in different ways to help understand the whole book of Revelation. So what I want us to think about now is when God says, when heaven's testimony is, it's a season of woe, think about how fitting that term is. It's a season of woe. When you think about a five-month period of time that's been prescribed for all these demon locusts to be able to sting and torment people. It is a season of woe. That's one of the dynamics of this season of woe. Next, the two tormenting prophets. Okay, now, the two witnesses are going to be our heroes. 
But in as much as they are our heroes, they are going to be the tormentors of the earth. Do you remember what uh, Elijah was called? The troubler of Israel. Oh, you troubler of Israel. I'm telling you, these two guys are going to be the troublers of planet E. And everybody's going to know them. And the whole world that doesn't love Jesus is going to hate these guys. They are going to be the absolute worst. They are going to be the two that the world wants to rid themselves of, the bane of the earth. I'm guaranteeing there will be songs written about them in a way that's not good. There will be all sorts of statements made. and There's going to be protest groups against the two witnesses. These guys are going to be the tormenting prophets of the earth. They are going to be loathsome and hated and despised by all of those who hate Jesus and do not love his ways because they're going to stand for Jesus, stand for his ways, and much to the chagrin of all of the wicked, they are going to be empowered to do torturous plagues on mankind. It's really intense, but let's read it. Revelation 11, verse 10. The inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. Just so you know, a little point of time frame, these two witnesses, they start their ministry at the beginning of the Great Tribulation and they end their ministry at the end of the Great Tribulation, a season of woe, a season of torment. These two witnesses are being described as the ones who tormented the planet for three and a half years. It is a season of woe. All right, next, the agonizing pain for the followers of the beast. I just don't think there's too many ways to describe uh, this passage we're about to read better than a woeful season, <laughs> better than a, a really intense aspect of a season of woe, uh, giving you part D here, agonizing pain for the followers of the beast. Those that follow the beast... Once we get into the trumpet judgments, I'm sorry, the bowl judgments, the fifth bowl, this is what happens. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. Its kingdom is ruling the majority of the earth right now. Just a little point of reference, if you guys can remember, in uh, the Exodus, a like moment occurred where darkness was poured out, but it was tied to geography. Because it was dark in Egypt, but it wasn't dark in Goshen where the people of God lived. And presumably, I mean, it would, it would be how we're supposed to read it. It wasn't dark 15 feet outside of Egypt in any direction. Because the darkness was Egypt. Well, here the darkness is poured out on the throne of the beast and his kingdom is plunged into darkness. But his kingdom is the planet. Not every area, I'm sure there'll be pockets where it won't be, but everywhere where his kingdom has significant platform, his kingdom has its roots, his kingdom is ruling and raging, darkness is poured out on his kingdom and it's plunged into darkness. That plunging, I don't know how you plunge anything into darkness. I mean, it's physical. How do you plunge it? It's still there. No, it's plunged. Plunged where? Into darkness. I, I don't understand. But what we do know is the demonic realm opens up like crazy at this plunging because look what the next verse says. Plunged into darkness, what happens? Well, everywhere that it's plunged into darkness, people nod their tongues in agony and curse the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refuse to repent of what they had done. Some version of the kingdom of the Antichrist on the earth gets exposed to the reality of hell on earth because there's weeping and gnashing of teeth that language that jesus used frequently in his parables and, and the gospels that's what we're seeing here they're weeping they're gnashing they're gnawing their tongues they're 
It's like this writhing pain and agony in the midst of darkness. This is woe. This is a season of woe. This is really intense. The woes of eternal torment. We'll end with this. As if all of that wasn't bad enough, it gets worse. You just got to think about this from a, a sober perspective. For the lost, the great tribulation is as good as it will ever get. I mean, for those that have taken the mark of the beast, that have made their commitment to the Antichrist, they've pledged their allegiance to him, the great tribulation, which is described as woe, is as good as it will ever be for them. There's still some light and momentary blessings. There's still a breath of clean air here and there. There's still, there's still a little more, there's still friendship. There's still, there's still some things. All of that goes away. As soon as Jesus comes, all of that goes away. I gave you a couple of points here. The evil trinity will be tormented forever. That's the devil, Antichrist, and the false prophet. Now, to call them the evil trinity, that's not really a biblical term, but I, I think it's a fair assessment of what's happening, okay? This, this three group, they are plunged into the lake of fire, and that is their torment. Look at this. The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of uh, burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever, and you could keep having ever and ever and ever. They will be tormented forever. That's their destiny. <clears throat> so at the end of three and a half years of woe, the reward for those that have taken the mark of the beast in order to escape the woes is they are cast into the lake of fire. Now, it first starts with these three, this is at the end of the tribulation. These three are thrown into the lake of fire. The rest of the followers of the Antichrist, the rest of those that have worshipped Satan, the rest of those that are already in hell, they're not thrown into the lake of fire yet. They're thrown into the lake of fire at the end of the millennial period, at the end of the thousand-year reign of Jesus. But their existence is still horrible because they are in Hades, which will then be thrown into the lake of fire after the great tribulation, I'm sorry, after the millennium. So what happens to the rest of them? If anyone worships, I'm middle of page six here, bottom of page six, letter B. If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the lamb, and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those that worship the beast and its image or for anyone else who receives the mark uh, of his name, of its name. This is what happens to those that take the mark of the beast. Now, we got to remember, just as a little kind of checkpoint here, we're talking about billions of people. It's going to be billions. I know that's crazy. I know it's unthinkable, but that's how this is all going to play out. There's going to be billions of people that are going to take the mark of the beast and they're going to worship the beast and his image. They're going to buy all in. They're, that's who this is uh, talking about. So the season of woe, the woes of Revelation, it's almost like the prelude to the real woe. Eternal hell, eternal presence in the lake of fire where they're burning before the lamb. Did you check that? You see that part? They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And their smoke will rise forever and ever and ever and ever. 
I don't know if you guys are okay with this. Doesn't much matter. Hell will be visible from heaven forever as a constant reminder of what happens when people rebel against God. Forever. It says the smoke of their torment. Think about that. It doesn't mean it's far off distant. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. It'll be visible. Everyone will know what's going on over there. Everyone will understand. The smoke of their torment will rise forever. That is the destiny of those that take the mark of the beast. These, the stakes are high. This is so intense. And finally, I just put it in there because it's a really cool contrast. The book of Revelation is all about contrast. It's really, really simple. Love Jesus, you'll be good. Love the Antichrist, it just doesn't get any worse. There's really lots of contrast, but look what God's promise is. In the midst of all of the weeping and the gnashing of teeth and the season of woe and the eternal torment, the smoke of torment rising forever, look at God's contrast. Revelation 21, verse 4. God, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. This is God's plan for all those that would follow him. This is his purpose. This is actually what he wants for mankind, but he won't force the issue. He lets us choose at every point. It's really, really intense. The woes of eternal torment contrasted with the blessing of eternity where there's no more pain and specifically crying is even listed. No more crying. So pain physical, but pain emotional. Pain loss, pain fear, pain. No more pain. No more crying. No more tears. No more mourning. That's the contrast to the season of woe and to the eternity of woe that those men will face and women and kids that take the mark of the beast. To make the question uh, kind of simple short, the question is, when Satan is cast to the earth, when he is uh, down here for the Great Tribulation period, will we be able to see him? Um, or will it be like in times past? I think there's going to be a significant upgrade of every area of the demonic. Uh, one of the things that you want to pay attention to in order to know the answer to that question with some measure of uh, definity is that we see that in Revelation 13, it says that they worshipped the dragon because the dragon gave authority to the beast. So they're able to differentiate between Antichrist and boss of Antichrist, Satan, and the dragon. They go, let's worship the dragon because he gave power to that guy. And so there's going to be an obvious uh, you know, measure of uh, understanding of who Satan is. It's just men will rejoice in wickedness. So they're going to look at Satan and think, you're the best, man. We like you. But he's the worst. But they're going to think he's the best. That's what deception's all about. And that, I mean, I, I, every chance I get, I got to hammer home the biggest point of the end times. The, the loudest, most concerning point is deception, not problems or plagues or hell, or the biggest point being made is deception. How could you get billions of people, people like that you meet at the grocery store, that guy, how do you get billions of people to worship the dragon, the Antichrist, and follow the false prophet like it's the best idea ever? You've got a season of delusion before that. 
And that's what the end, that's what the, the right now, we're in it right now. And it's only going to intensify. But that's why the subject of, of deception is so important to understand what's happening and what are we being deceived into and, you know, calling evil good and good evil and, and uh, compromising the word of God and giving in to all different things and defending those evil things because it's what people want. I mean, it says so much that, that people will want to, they'll demand teachers that will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. I mean, we're in a season of that. So anyway, I, I know I got off on a little tangent, but back to will Satan be visible? I think he'll be visible. Because he's never been bound like this, where the heavenly realms are no longer his place of habitation, and earth is the place that he visits and touches. He's going to be on the earth. And let's just remember, Satan has physical form like any angel does. And the abyss opens up, and we see real things out of the abyss, real hell things, real devils, real demons and things come up out of the abyss, and they take up physical space, and they go around on horses and stuff, and they're killing people. So it shouldn't be a stretch. I mean, we, we should be absolutely seeing Satan as in physical form walking around doing stuff. Uh, and he'll probably be, if I just had to guess, I mean, think smog from, you know, you know whatever, a hobbit. This beautiful dragon. I mean, everything about it was beautiful. I mean, just the majestic and like, I mean, you want to be thinking about something that's going to, that, whoever this giant demon angel Satan is, I, I mean, he's beautiful and he will be appealing and people will fall for him just by his outward appearance, let alone what he can do for him. So I, in answering the question, I know I took a long time. I think Satan will absolutely be on the earth in physical form. So uh, great question. Okay, so where does that fall, the, the fall of Satan to the earth? Where does that fall related to the seals, trumpets, and bowls? It's the beginning of the Great Tribulation period. So um, the seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls, uh, without going into great detail about how this statement isn't exactly true, those seven seals, trumpets, and bowls, those 21 events, make up the Great Tribulation period. Okay? It's three and a half years, more or less. And those of you who know what I'm talking about, just go with it. Okay. Uh, so for the three and a half year period of the Great Tribulation, but uh, Satan is thrown to the earth at the beginning of the Great Tribulation, and that's where all of this all now starts. It says it starts in uh, verse uh, 10 of chapter 12. Now have come the salvation and power and the kingdom of the Lord our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. So this is, this is a beginning, this hurled down to the earth. Satan is now on the earth, and that's actually the beginning of the redemption moment. The, redeem, the beginning, Jesus can't come to the planet until the great tribulation occurs. It's part of the written word. I mean, we got it here. And so part of the salvation of the earth is actually the seals, trumpets, and bowls. Part of the salvation of the earth is the, I mean, the trumpets are announcing the king coming. I mean, let's, let's get the picture there. Uh, and so Satan is cast to the earth at the beginning of the Great Tribulation period, uh, that, uh, the final three and a half years, and then the seals start at that moment, which just if we can go back in time, when we did our sessions on the seven seals and we looked at seal one, seal one is the rise of Antichrist, and more than that. But seal one is the rise of Antichrist, and it's in conjunction with Satan being tossed to the earth. Okay, so the, all those details are connected. So great question. Yeah, great question. So uh, in Revelation 18, uh, talking about the Harley Babylon and her judgment, 
Um, one aspect of how she's being judged is described. What was the verse? What uh, number? Eight. Yeah. Therefore, in one day, this is talking about Babylon, her plagues will overtake her, death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. Uh, and the question was, is this a literal day? This is. This is a literal day. However, there's a lot going on in the judgment of Babylon. we got to understand, Babylon is a rising system in the earth that will have a central headquarters in the physical city of Babylon. So Babylon will be kind of like when people talk about America, but they refer to America as D.C., because they're talking about the headquarters of you know the nation. You know, well, DC says this. DC, they're talking about America, but it's based in Washington, DC. Babylon will be headquartered in Babylon, but Babylon will be a global system. Babylon as a global system actually doesn't get destroyed. Babylon as a global system gets taken over by Antichrist. The global system of Babylon will be annexed, taken over by, uh, by the Antichrist, but the Antichrist is actually the one that burns the physical city of Babylon. Antichrist walks in, doesn't even have the revelation. He's an agent of God to destroy that city. But when he destroys that city, he now puts his flag in the ground and says, now I'm in charge. I just destroyed the city. I'm now in charge. I'm going to move my headquarters from Babylon to Jerusalem. And now I'm going to set up the world headquarters for the planet in Jerusalem. And I'm going to rule from Jerusalem. So the physical destruction of the physical city of Babylon will take place in a day. However, the global system of Babylon doesn't get destroyed at all. It gets taken over. And think about the brilliance of that leadership of the Antichrist. I mean, really, if, I mean, we got to be honest here. Why reinvent the wheel? Babylon has already created a global system of compliance, of economics, of religion, of all this. All he has to do is take it over obviously take it over, definitively take it over. Take it over in a moment that's so overt, he marches into the capital city, Babylon, burns it, and now he says, I'm in charge now. By the way, I'm setting up my image in Jerusalem, and it's going to talk to everybody, and you're all going to take the mark of the beast. This all takes place, the burning takes place in a day of the physical city of Babylon. But the reality of Babylon gets taken over, not burned. So that's a, that's a point of distinction. A lot of that will make sense when we get there. Uh, that's, you know, I, I told you the most important subject is deception. Well, the avenue of deception is Babylon. So, so when you say Babylon or deception, you could use either one because the way that the world is going to get lulled to sleep is through the rise of the harlot Babylon, and she's going to cause deception at every level. Okay, So uh, Antichrist and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire uh, first, but right after him, it's Satan. Um, uh, in, in just a, you know, a moment later. Um, so why them first? I guess the question is in part, why not everybody else at that time? What, you know, why these two, two guys? Well, I think it actually answers it. It says the two of them were thrown into the... Uh, wait, let me go here. Um, the beast was captured and with him the false prophet. I'm, I'm looking at verse 20. So I'm in uh, Revelation 19, verse 20. The beast was captured and with him the false prophet. So the Antichrist and the false prophet who had performed miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs, they had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshiped his image. The two of them were thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword. 
uh, that came out of the mouth of the writer. I think that the reason these two get to burn a thousand years longer than everybody else is because they were responsible for dil- diluting everybody else. Uh, these two are, it's kind of like the first fruits, kind of an idea. It's like we're going to let the rest of everybody from whatever vantage point of hell that they get to experience for a thousand years, we're going to let them watch the two that led them astray first. Uh, and then, you know, the uh, uh, Satan is uh, bound for a thousand years uh, in the in the abyss, and then is released, and right after that, he's thrown into the lake of fire. Um, enough, very good. Well, uh, listen, these are this is good. You guys are tracking. I mean, this is these are really in depth conversations that we're having about the Book of Revelation that is just not a normal thing on planet Earth right now, and it needs to be. And the way that it's gonna be is studies like this with people that bear with the details, bear with the unfamiliarity of things, start to get clarity and become forerunner messengers organically. You don't even have to have a .com. I mean, just you teaching your kids, you teaching the neighbor, you teaching the little Bible. So you're, you know, you've got that little moment where you're sharing something with a group and little pieces of this are coming out. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.